Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. It was a really appropriate, really appropriate bumper because we are celebrating mothers and mothers who are at different stages and who have been through different things in their lives. So, yes, we're celebrating uh, Mother's Day, but let's remember that some people have been through some tough times and are going through some tough times. And today I want to encourage all of us with that, that message uh, that God has given me. Now, also remember that even though it's Mother's Day and it's a Mother's Day message, we also are going to be speaking to everyone because I know that everyone is going to be blessed by the message because anytime God encourages us, He's, he encourages all of us, isn't he? And so we have some mothers who uh, they, they have chosen to uh, adopt uh, children, and it's been so great. So they adopted mothers. Some people are foster mothers, and, and that's, that's really great. Uh, some people, though, are grieving mothers on this day of Mother's Day because they had a child who, have, who, who died. And we sometimes don't think of, of mothers who who the children have died before they, and they're still living. And that, that's a hard heartbreak. So Mother's Day sometimes is a reminder of that. And uh, we want to encourage you today also. There are some mothers who uh, had to give up their child for whatever reason at, a, at an early age because of maybe some mistakes they made or whatever the situation. And they've never had to parent anyone, but they are mothers because they... Uh, they, they birthed a child. And we have uh, some people who are uh, in their young life maybe had uh, an abortion. And so we know that life starts at conception, and so therefore uh, they uh, aborted their child, which still God wants to encourage and bless the mother. So this is Mother's Day, so I say Happy Mother's Day. Now let's open our Bibles to a place that uh, you, you normally don't go on Mother's Day, but I'm going on Mother's Day, and that's uh, in Joshua chapter 2. In Joshua chapter 2, we're going to talk about uh, a, a young lady by the name of Rahab. She was a harlot or a prostitute. And let's uh, uh, say that because that's uh, something that um, we normally don't, Think about heaven. I don't know whether I've ever heard of Mother's Day message uh, on Rahab. <laughs> I really don't. But God wants to bless us through the life of Rahab. Now, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, we see where Joshua, the son of Nun, she, he sent out two spies secretly. Now, he didn't announce it. He sent them out secretly uh, from uh, Shittim saying, go view the land, especially Jericho, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And sometimes you think, so, well, hmm, why? Here, here's men of God. Why would they go up to a prostitute's house? You know, this is interesting. Uh, but you just think about it now. Rahab, I think, was, she was pretty... Well known, I know she was well known, and I, 
And I, I know that she didn't want to be in her situation. She really didn't. She had other means of income. You know that because uh, she hid the spies uh, on the roof in, in, in the flat. And so flax was used for, for linen and, and, and things, cloth and things like that. So I know she had other means of income that she didn't want to be in that situation but didn't have a way out. How many people sometimes here today and all over the world who don't want to be in the situation you're in or they have maybe uh, been somewhere they don't want to have gone but they, they, and, and they, the devil is trying to, trying to wear them out all the time with the past. And God wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you. And don't be, don't be um, hooked to your past because that's not, that's not what Rahab was. And so now we, we uh, go down in the story, and you've read the story, I'm sure. Uh, and, and in verse 8, now before they lie down, she came up to, to them on the roof. And she hid them in the roof, on the roof. And the king sent word and came and said, look, you bring, those, you bring those spies out. They were spies. They're trying to spy the land. So she did not tell the truth. She said that, oh, my goodness gracious, they, they, they left. They were here, but they left. And uh, they went out of the gate. And if you hurry up, they, you can catch them. Now, you know she had some type of uh, integrity and pool with the king because he didn't search the house. He didn't say, well, no, 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 you a lie, you a prostitute, who you think going to believe you? No, he didn't say that. He believed her and sent the spies, sent after the spies, and, and uh, just as what she has said. So this is, this is very interesting to me. Uh, when I was reading this, this was God revealing that that, that this lady was not just a lady of ill reproof. This lady was a lady that, that people respected as well as uh, she had an income. She might have been well off. I don't know, but she had a lot of people coming to her. And this is what we, we go on to read. It says that in verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea before you, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, the king of, uh, that you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. Now, just think of this now. She is acknowledging the Lord, Jehovah, as God. Not only is Jehovah your God, she's saying that he is the God of heaven and the God of the earth. And so, now, to know the Canaanites, they were idol worshippers. And so she had a God that they normally worship. But she said, no, no, -uh. the Lord, your God, is God. He is the God of heaven. And, 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 but she didn't even mention 
the Canaanite's God because he couldn't compare. So she was already thinking that I have a way out. I have a way out of my situation because your God is the God of heaven and of earth. He drives up the sea. He does what he wants to. He defeats all these great kings. I want to serve your God. So she's thinking, how can I best do that? I'm going to, I'm going to do something nice for the spies, the, 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 the people of God, and maybe God will show mercy on me. We need a way out, don't we? The only way out is God. Of any situation that we have, the only way out is God. He can undo anything that has been done. He can, he, he, he can cause things to happen that you wanted to happen a long time ago has never happened. He can cause it to happen. He can do that. So the first thing that God wants us to know is that we have to have some humility. Rahab has some humility. You remember when we were talking about humility one time, I told you that humility was humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, putting ourselves under the word of God, under what God has said, and be obedient to him. That's true humility. True pride is when we think we can do it ourselves. We don't need God. That's pride. She humbled herself. She said, I need help. I can't get out of this, this, this situation. The gods we serve, they have done nothing but kept me in my situation. I want to get out of my situation. She said in verse 12, Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord. She didn't say by the flag. She didn't say by the lamp. She didn't say by, by you know, anything. She said by the Lord. She's elevating Jehovah. Since I have dwelt, dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household. Hey, now, Rahab is not a selfish woman. She could have said, you know, people have been, you know, uh, looking down on me because of my profession, because I'm a prostitute. I'll fix them. You know, I'm going to save myself, but I'm not going to save them because they talked about me. No. She was somebody who cared about others. She cared about her family, her household. She said that, he said, with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father, my mother, and my brothers, my sister, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Because she knew that they had killed the other people. So the men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell the business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the, the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, Go to the hill country, 
so that the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for, the, for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterwards you may go on your way. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath of, that you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you tie this cord of scarlet thread. And you already know there's some typology there, don't you? You already know if it's scarlet thread, you know it speaks of uh, what, what, what do we, what's red that we depend upon? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. So you, you tie this scarlet thread here, cord, in your window, through which you let us down, and gather to yourselves and to your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. And it shall be that when we come, uh, that if anybody go out the door of your house, their blood is on their own hand. And if anybody, anything happened to, to, to anyone that's in your house, it's on our hand. But just don't tell this business of ours to anybody else. Or otherwise, we're going to be free. And she said in verse 21, according to your words, so be it. She took them at their word. Her, their word. So she sent them away. And they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, let's fast forward a little bit to chapter 6. And we know that about the, the Lord telling the Israelites, this is what you do. You go around seven times. You don't say anything. You send this. He, he gave them directions. And, you know, we sing songs about that in, in Kia's church, uh, about, you know, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Uh, it, it did come tumbling down, except her house did not come tumbling down, even though her house was on the wall. The wall fell down, but not her house, not her part of the wall fell down. And so in chapter 6, verse 17, uh, they, they, they God told them that the city is under a ban, that means that everything is mine. That's what the Lord is telling them. Everything is mine. Everything. Nothing is yours. And it says, and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of Israel a curse and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron, they shall go into the treasure of the Lord. So what were they to keep for themselves? Nothing. What did the Lord want them to bring back? The silver, the gold, the bronze, and the, and the iron and put it in the house of the Lord. Everything was here. What was going to happen to everybody else? Look at verse 21. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old. That means every single person. I don't care if they were babies. I don't care who they were. Every single person died. That's what they mean by under the ban, except Rahab and those who are in her house. So the young men, Josh told me to go, go, go get Rahab and all was in the house. So the young men in verse 23, who were spies, went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother 
and her brothers. Who else was it? And her sisters. Who else was it? The whole household. But look what it says also. And all her relatives. Man, she got them. That house was full. Everybody that went in that house. So if they had any, any, any uh, thing against prostitution and against Rahab, they quickly forgave it, didn't they? They went in the house because they didn't, they didn't go out of that, 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 that window one day and come back the next day. So we don't know how long it was, but we know that she had to have that cord there and they had to be in her house. So no, no telling how long they stayed in the house where people, men had come, where prostitution had gone on, they stayed in there, crowded in that house, waiting to be saved. Humility. Humility. Sometimes humiliation brings humility, doesn't it? If you allow God to do it. Listen at, um, listen at this in verse 23. Now, it says that they also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. Now, that's humiliation, isn't it? You, you, I, I helped you. I, I, I saved your two spies that you sent out. I told you all the secrets of our heart, that, that you know, all the men's heart has, has, has waxed and melted. But you're going to put us outside the camp. We're not even good enough to, to be in the camp with you. So they're outside the camp of Israel. Israel's camp, like, like we're camped here, and they, they, they might be somewhere out in the parking lot somewhere. Don't, don't come in the camp. Don't, just don't come in the camp. You're the Canaanites. Don't come in the camp. That will bother some people, people, you know that? It'll bother some people. But with Rahab, see, we said she had some humility. But it didn't bother her because she knew that she is not going to be saved for nothing. Mothers, you need to know that God didn't save you for nothing. Just because you went through a situation or you're going through a situation, that doesn't mean that that situation is, is going to last forever. God will undo that. He will overdo that. Anything that enemy has done, because some people here, you want your children saved. I, I know a great man of God that uh, he still has one son that's not saved. He's not saved. The other two children he had, they'll say, in church, this, this one is not. Nothing he could do will, will, will change this dude's mind right now. He's just praying. He's just praying. And he's not the only one. He's not in, in this church or anything like that, not even in Lynchburg. But how many of us want our child to be saved that's not saved, or how many of us want our children to be on fire for God that's not on fire for God? They might be just religious. You know how, how you, you just go to church, you do what you're supposed to do, you know, uh, because that's what you're supposed to do. You go to church, you know, you, you uh, go to Sunday school or something, you might be in a small group, uh, but you don't ever talk about the Lord during your off time. You n- never talk about what the Lord has been doing in your life. Uh, you, you, just, you just do things ritualistically. God doesn't want that. God wants a relationship. He wants an intimate relationship. And so we need to be praying, mothers, for our children continue to pray that they really have that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and not just be leaning on our prayers, right? 
whether they are adults or whether they are teens. It doesn't matter. They need to have an intimate relationship themselves with Jesus Christ. And it takes prayers to do that. So listen to another important point. Not only does she have humility, but she forgot the past. She pushed the past away. She's not concerned about, uh, uh, you know, well, you put me outside the camp. Now I'm mad with you. If I get a chance, I'm going to get back at you. Retaliation is not from the Lord, is it? Vengeance is, belongs to the Lord, not to us, to the Lord. We're supposed to love even our enemies, aren't we? Rahab, was, was, she, was, she was thankful that she was brought out of her situation. She is no longer a prostitute. That's past. No longer. There's no, nobody to, to, to uh, do that profession with because she's outside Israel's, Israel's camp, the man of God. So what does she say? Even though I am where I am right now, I'm not going to stay there. I have a future, and my future is bright because I belong now to the God of heaven and the God of earth. You see, some people who are, who are mothers, who they're in situations that they don't want to be in. Uh, I was reading a statistic of just in Lynchburg City Schools that 60% of the children in Lynchburg Public Schools are either on free lunch or reduced price lunch. That's a lot of children. 60%. So that there, there, there's a lot of, lot of people who don't make a lot of money to be on free lunch or reduced price lunch. And also they said that 37% of the working class in Lynchburg are considered working poor. Working poor. They, they work, but they still fall in the category income-wise as poor. That tells me a lot of times that there are single parents who have children who are trying to do the best they can. But they don't want to stay in that situation. Their husband might have abandoned them or they might have uh, made some mistakes when they were young and, and uh, had children outside of wedlock. But still, they don't want to stay in that situation. They say, I have a future. And my future doesn't depend on where I have been. It depends on where I'm going. And mothers, that's what you won't have to consider where you're going. Because you serve the living God, the God of heaven and the God of earth. And so, the, so what we see here in chapter 6, we see in verse 25. Now, where, where, where is they, uh, Rahab and her relatives? Outside the what? Camp. This is at verse 20, 25. Now, after they had burned the city... And, 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 you know, put all the gold and everything, took those things, and put them in the, in the house of the Lord. However, verse 25 says, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had 
Joshua's spared, and she has lived in the outside of Israel to this day? What does it say? In the midst. In the midst. She moved from outside to the midst. Midst is like in the middle. I mean, I'm, in the, I'm right here in the middle of, of, of now Israel. They have, they are no longer an outcast. I am now accepted. My past is gone. I didn't get uh, all out of sorts because I was humiliated because of my past and because they put me out of the camp. No, I'm grateful. And that gratefulness will cause a person to have a positive attitude and it'll cause you to go somewhere. And that's what I want the, the mothers to have today is a positive attitude about where you're going, not where you've been. Not what God hasn't done yet, but what he can do and what he's going to do. And that's what it says here, that she's in the midst of the camp. Now, we know from uh, the, if we went to Matthew, which we're not going, Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 6, it gives you the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and it tells us that they had four women named in the New American Standard. Four women. And neither one of the women were women that you would probably think they will be in Jesus Christ's genealogy. One was Rahab. Because Rahab, not only did Rahab get into the midst of the camp, but Rahab married one of the Israelites. She married Salmon. And, and they had a child. So now Rahab, the prostitute, who's no longer a prostitute, her past says she was a prostitute, now she is married and has a child. She's a mother in Israel. That's what she is. A mother in Israel now. And her son, what was the son name? Uh, Obed, was it? Was it? Okay, uh, Boaz. Okay, Boaz married Ruth, right? Ruth and Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. And King David, of course, had been given a promise by God that he'll have somebody on his throne forever, and that person is Jesus Christ. And Boaz was pretty tough. Boaz was rich. When everybody else was, was struggling, that's why Naomi and her husband, they left and went to another place uh, because of drought there and things like that, or famine. But Boaz was wealthy. And Boaz was the, um, was the offspring of our uh, case study today, which is Rahab. What kind of past hinders God from using her? No. No. Let me tell you something. I want to close in, in this because we could go to James um, chapter 2. We could go there where it mentions Rahab again. It mentions her again in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. 
verse 30. It, 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 Rahab is mentioned three times in the New Testament, and then we got it in the Old Testament in Joshua. And this woman was important to God. Very important to God. And I think, I think it, 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 she's important to God. One reason is because God wants us to know that there are no limitations on your past. No limitations with him. And so he wants you to know, I'm going to give you a few things that he wants you to know today, mothers. Number one, he loves you more than words can express. And I say, more than words can express. You say, well, God, man, he can express. God chooses to demonstrate his love because he gave his only begotten son, didn't he? He could have just said, I love you. And that should have been sufficient for us, right? But it's not sufficient. I'm going to show you how much I love you. He's still showing us how much he loves us. Because some of us wouldn't be here today if it were not for the Lord keeping us. Right? That's Miss Flanagan. Right? That's right. The doctors can give you a week, five weeks to live. The doctors is not the God of heaven and earth. And you remember we told you that, that what the doctor said, and, and she had hospice. Didn't you have hospice out there? You know, uh, when you get hospice, that means that means that, that's it. They, all they're going to do is just try to drug you enough to, to comfort you until you die. If you accept it. But what does God say? So Miss Flanagan has faith. She said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, you want to go somewhere? No, I don't want to go nowhere. Okay, all right then. Let's don't go nowhere then. Let's don't go nowhere. God determines our future, doesn't he? He loves you more than words can express. So whatever your situation is, God loves you more than those situations. Okay? Number two, God wants you to know that there is no limit to his love. He doesn't love you just because you are a Jew. Right? He doesn't love you just because you are, maybe you're from Australia. Maybe you are an Egyptian. Maybe you know you're, you know, you're from the right side of the tracks, as they say. Maybe you're from a, a wealthy household, so he loves you. God loves you because of you. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your culture background, regardless of what your parents had or didn't have, God loves you. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that somebody prayed for me, a lot of people in fact, prayed for me and prayed me into the kingdom because Sometimes the society can make you think you're inferior because you are a woman. Right? You can have the same job as a man, but you're not going to make the same amount. God says that you are important to him. He, is, he doesn't show partiality, does he? No, he doesn't show partiality. 
He proves it. That's a good thing. Number three, God wants you to know, I think it's very important, that he will forgive any sin. You say, well, you know, I, I aborted five children. You know, God will forgive any sin. There is no sin that God will not forgive. Well, I committed murder. God will forgive any sin. What, I mean, what more can you do? I mean, he doesn't like people in fornication, does he? He will forgive any sin. Saul, the apostle, Paul, he, he, he forgives any sin, doesn't he? I don't care whether you agree to murder. I don't care whether you're prostitute. I don't care what you are or what you were. Come as you are, God will forgive you. Not only will he forgive you before you, is that he will heal any situation that you've been through. And some people have been through horrendous situations. Horrendous situations. This Carla was telling about two husbands of hers just, you know, just... Took her money, did something. I mean, there's just, I don't know what's wrong with these men, you know. Uh, but God took her and, and he raised her to the level she is now. And she is not bound by what her husband did. Yeah. God can heal in this situation. We have divorced people here. God can heal in a situation. Well, God hates divorce. Yes, he does. But God forgives, and let's move on. Let's move on. Not only does he forgive and heal, but God says, I will use you. I will use you in your situation. I don't care what you've been through. I will use you. And my, I, I'll bring about a plan that's, that's greater than you could ever imagine. Isn't that what happened to Rahab? Who would have known this woman who's in prostitution, she is the household that the spies came through. Salvation came to her house. Like, like, like Zacchaeus. Today, I must down at your house. Salvation came to her house. Not only did it come, but she is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because she kept a positive attitude. She didn't let her past define who she was. And she married Solomon Salmon and, and had Boaz and Boaz married Ruth and Ruth and Boaz had um, Obed and, and Obed had Jesse and then we got King David and it goes on and on till we get to Jesus Christ. Isn't God good? So that's what I want to, that's, that's the message God had for me to give the ladies today because I believe, I believe that mothers go through things. And God wants you to know that he knows that, but he'll bring you out of those things. We want to close today with Angie Johnson coming up. She has, a, has more encouragement for you. We just want to encourage you mothers. We're going to encourage you till your socks fall off. Good morning, everyone. 
Um, I'm going to take a little lighthearted take on what the pastor did this morning. There are some titles that women have that we don't really think about because it's the norm day in and day out. Um, The first one, we're going to go through the alphabet, and we're going to start with A. They are accountants. What better accountant is there in the world than a woman? She can take a quarter, make it into a dollar. She can take a budget and flip it upside down and make things work that men just don't understand. But they see and reap the benefits of it. So do the children. B, she's bilingual. They speak baby speak. They speak toddler speak. They speak man speak. They speak teen speak. They speak co-worker speak. They are bilingual. C, they are a master chef. They can take the simplest ingredients. They can pick a can night and create a gourmet meal, and people never know the difference. Um, I have two daughters, and one of them can pick a can, and she can, uh, she's single and has no children, but she can pick a can and put a meal on the table and put a candle on the table, and she said she's good to go. I have a friend who is single, um, has been divorced for about 22 years, I believe. She loves to cook, but she has nobody to cook for because her sons are grown, and, you know, she's single as a result of divorce. But she can put out a meal that I, I can't even pronounce the names of them sometimes. And she likes to do that because she says she's going to satisfy herself. So she becomes a master chef. D, determination. Women and mothers have a dogged determination to protect and care for those that they love. E, eyes and ears. I really don't have to say much about this, but a mother understands what a child does not say. She has an internal radar that keeps her on alert at all times. And they say women have eyes in the backs of their heads. They do. And it's because we've been through things and we understand things and we've heard things and we experience from other mothers and other women. So we're always on alert. E, I'm sorry, F, they are an exercise fiend. They can bend, twist, squat, jog, lunge, and do jumping jacks all in the name of caring for a household or a child. And if you don't believe me, you can just have not even have children, but all of a sudden your house has things in it that you need to pick up, put away, reach high, reach low, crawl around. So we we get our exercise in. F, mothers are a fan. They can be your biggest cheerleader. G, they are glamour in disguise. I know we've all seen it. You know, you get out of bed, you bedhead you know you got your your sleep face on and all of a sudden you're running late to get somewhere and you have to put your face on my friends are uh, they laugh at me because they'll say what did you do yesterday oh I went home and put some comfortable clothes on took my face off and put my feet up they were like took your face off I said yeah what you see at work is not necessarily what somebody's going to see at home I intuitive A woman's intuition has stopped many a dangerous situation. They anticipate what's going to happen before it happens. And they have saved many a child from from some scrapes. Next, intuition is a spiritual faculty and does not explain, but simply points the way. 
J. They are jugglers. I don't think this one needs any explanation whatsoever. K. They are a keeper of peace. That has two meanings. They can send kids to their rooms for 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes just to get some quiet time. L. They are a lover of crafts. There are boxes and boxes and boxes of things that they keep that their children have made throughout the years. They can be found in attics and basements. I know when my husband and I moved about eight years ago, I told my kids, you allow one tote full of everything that you want to put in it, and I will keep it in the basement. I'm still finding bags of things that they have snuck into the basement that don't go in the totes. I have beanie babies. My kids are 34 and 31. Why do I still have beanie babies at my house? You know, they will be donated soon. M, momisms. I will turn this car around. (laughs) Why? Because I said so. Don't run in the house. Close the door. You weren't born in a barn. Life is not fair. If all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? Stop that this instant. Be careful. Your face will freeze like that. Some of my other favorites are, what part of no do you not understand? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. If you fall and break your neck, don't come running to me. Now, as I got older, I started thinking, if I fall and break my neck, I can't get up and run anyway. One of my favorites that my mom used to always say was, you're not grown yet. And I never understood the definition of grown until this day. I still don't understand the definition of grown. You have to crawl before you walk. And when there was such a thing as spankings, it'll hurt me more than it'll hurt you. But all of these momisms are just to say, I love you. And what's interesting is um, my daughter has three children, and I was asking her, give me some momisms that you all use today. And she said, Mama, you, don't, you can't type that much. I said, what do you mean? She said, we talk and explain things to our children, so we end up having conversations. We don't have one-liners like you all did. And I said, well, just give me something. She said, when they go out to eat and the kids are looking at what she's eating, they'll say, uh, ew, that's gross. And she'll say, don't yuck my yum. I had to think about that one for a minute. <laughs> and I said, okay, don't yuck my yum. Is, is, there, is there anything else? And she said that her son, who's 14, she'll tell him, we're living in your past today. I said, that's pretty deep for a 14-year-old to understand. Is there anything else? And she said, nope. I mean, she couldn't give me a momism for women today, and I thought that was interesting. But she remembers the things that we said to them as they were growing up. We as in me, my mom, my mother-in-law, her older aunts, people like that, they remember them. N, they are a nurse. They can gauge a fever with a kiss of their lips. O, they are an octopus. Tell her you're going to stop by to visit, and she can clean a room, three rooms, in ten minutes. And then she can't find anything that she put away. P, they are pacifiers. They will give a toy, a pacifier, 
cookies, your favorite blanket, or a lullaby just to keep you calm. They will even give you a hug. Q, sometimes they just want to be queen for a day. Everyone, every woman needs to feel like just one day she's queen for a day. R, they are reliable. They'll pack your lunches, check your homework, take you to swim meets, take you to soccer practice, go to your school plays. Those maternal instincts just kick in and keep everybody fed and on schedule at all times. S, they are a stunt woman. They can walk through this room and never touch a landmine. T, they are teachers. They teach you to brush your teeth. They teach you how to get dressed. They teach you your ABCs and your one, two, threes. They teach you how to tie your shoes. They teach you how to clean your room. They teach you how to make your bed. And I will say there are some mothers that probably taught the numbers before the ABCs. I never did this, but I've heard it over and over again. If you don't one, two, and a kid goes scampering. Now, imagine an OCD kid, and I have a little bit of this myself. Imagine an OCD kid that gets to school, and finally the teacher is teaching them their one, two, threes, and the teacher goes one, and the kid starts shaking because at home one meant a bad thing. You. Mothers have unconditional love. They see the best in their kids, even when their kids drive them crazy. V, they are vigilant, observant, and attentive to the needs of others. Mom, where's my, oh, it's in the closet. Mom, can I have, it's in the fridge on the second shelf. I mean, they know what you're going to ask for sometimes before you even ask. W, women are warriors. The strength of a woman is not in her tongue or the length of her hair or the songs she has sung. Control is not found in the clothing she wears or what she offers or the child that she bears. Her honor and glory comes not from what shows except her reliance on God that she knows. For God gives her power beyond height and length and makes her much stronger to display her strength. It's there deep within her and flows through her being, revealing a boldness and strength we are seeing. For man cannot crush all the things she can do, for she is a woman and a warrior too. X, x-ray vision. It's the three pairs of eyes that mothers have to have. One pair that see through closed doors, another in the back of her head, and of course, the ones in front that can look at a child when he goofs up and reflects, I understand and I love you without so much as uttering a word. Irma Bombeck. Why? Women and mothers are young at heart. I am in charge of how I feel, and today I am choosing happiness. And at the end of the day, she's sometimes just zonked. As women, our days are many times defined by the world, but the world tells us it is not fancy hair, the word tells us, I'm sorry, it is not fancy hair, gold jewelry, or fine clothes that should make you beautiful. No, your beauty should come from inside you, the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That beauty will never disappear, and it is very precious in the sight of God. If I could have the ushers come forward and have all ladies stand, please. <laughs> 
Young, mothers, non-mothers, all ladies. Please stand. We have a little gift for you. There's another woman that emerges out of the chaos. If you will go ahead and pass those out, please. She is the woman that God sees. You are admired. You are beautiful. You are caring. You are devoted. You are encouraging. You are forgiving, generous, and hopeful. You are intelligent, joyful, kind, and loving. You are motivated, nurturing, open-minded, and passionate. You are quiet, and you are remarkable. You are sacrificing and tender-hearted. You are unique. You are valued. You are warm-hearted, and you are excellent. You are yearning for good, and you are zealous. The woman God sees is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. So when you feel troubled, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When you feel insecure, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And when you feel unimportant, for I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The gift that you have received is to remind you that if you could see the woman that God created you to be, you would rise up and never be the same again. May God continually bless and keep each and every one of you, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.